Welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm your host, Jason Mantinov. I just want to start this podcast off by saying a big thank you to all the support that I have received this week in um, in subscriptions, free subscriptions, paid subscriptions, business sponsorship. The, uh, the response has been just overwhelming. Things did go uh, pretty viral this week. And um, yeah, just since the beginning of the week, we actually just on podcast downloads alone. I mean, we we we've we're we're over three thousand podcast downloads in just the week, and um, about double that on just traffic of people checking out the the um, website in general. So uh, things have have been going great. That that's you know. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the sponsorships. It allows me, you know, a $5 paid membership really allows me to continue doing this in a sustainable way. And I sure appreciate it. I just wanted to be sure to let you all know that before we started. So um, today's podcast, I, I have an interview. Um, it's with uh, one of the, the gentlemen who first made the original skate park. The skate park's in, been in the, uh, kind of on the social media uh, news feeds here. We've got um, a few kids that are wanting to renovate and and kind of rebuild the skate park that is, has been around for a while. And um, there's been a lot of community support around that. I certainly support it. I've, I've sat in some meetings with uh, these students and some other people that want to help see this happen. And, uh, you know, reaching out to the parks, parks district and, and, you know, the, uh, the town and trying to figure out, all right, what's it going to take to really move this forward in, in a way that kind of captures the spirit that we saw when the park was originally made. So we've got a, an interview talking about the history of the skate park in, in the Estes park here. And, um, so we're going to, that's going to be after. Uh, I wanted to mention that um, we are in an extreme fire danger right now, and um, we are now under a fire restriction, and um, this was uh, announced this morning by the Estes Valley um, Fire Protection District. Captain Wolf put out an email, and I'm just going to quick read it to you. Um, again, this is from David Wolf, the fire chief of the Estes Valley Fire Protection District, who's been doing just, this guy's been like revolutionizing our, our fire protection district, our, our, our firefighters. And just like, we're so lucky to have someone like Captain Wolf doing this type of work here because, you know, as I think I mentioned in the last episode, um, I've been going through the Estes Park Citizens Police Academy to get a better understanding and idea of how, you know, the, our law enforcement agency here in town works and just the ins and outs of it. And I got to tell you, it's really informative. Um, I'm really glad it's it's something that I've done. And um, it just, it helps to understand the, some of the processes that are behind what I've been reporting on for years now and just helps give me a better understanding of it. So last night when uh, Captain Life was uh, talking about some of the innovations that Chief Wolf has, has put into things, I, I just, 
we're really lucky to have uh, someone of the caliber of Chief Wolf. So he put out this this email this morning, and it, it states, due to continued dry conditions, the danger of wildfire forest and grass fire is very high in the Estes Valley. Repeated fire incidents in the adjacent jurisdictions also decreases the amount of mutual aid resources available to fight a wildfire once it starts. Pursuant to International Fire Code Section 307.1.1, I hereby issue an open burning restriction within the Estes Valley Fire Protection District, effective at 0800 uh, on April 22nd, 2022, today, this morning. So uh, you can visit the Estes Park, uh, the Estes Valley Fire District's website. I'm going to put the um, the direct link to the fire restrictions bans that has the most current fire restriction information and includes a, a good little informational graphic sheet showing what is permitted and what's not because you know you can you can still do like uh, like a campfire type thing if it's in a permanent fire pit or you know a movable fire pit but not in not in short-term rentals you can't do it there you can do you know if you had got one of those little charcoal uh grills um you know the little coleman's uh, you can do that like on a cement pad with, you know, it's got to be like 10 feet square with five feet on either side. Um, you can do that. But I really, I mean, do we really want to tempt the fates at this point? We have we have evolved now to a place where we don't have a fire season because it's all year long. And I can tell you, folks, I've worked as a wildland firefighter, uh, mostly up in Montana and Idaho. Washington a little bit. Um, actually, the team I used to work on uh, was part of the Cameron Peak Fire Response. Uh, they were the, the, I believe, the second team that came through and um, went out and visited my old brothers in, in uh, the wild firefighting community back in the day. They're trying to get me to go back to it, but, you know, my legs are just, they're, the reason I walk with a cane and a limp around town is because I've, I've lived a very adventurous life and, and, um, yeah, as a result, I've I've had a lot of issues with breaks and um, tears and things like that. So um, I just can't do it anymore. But it was it was just an incredible part of my life. I used to work wildland fire as a fireline qualified EMT. I used to work that yeah, was with the Forest Service. I used to work um, with on the uh, Can-Am search and rescue team, and then a small volunteer. Uh, ambulance crew outside of Glacier National Park after I lived up in um, Montana. And then, uh, you know, my injuries kind of got the better of me and we moved to Estes and and I just, I'm unable to to do first responder work anymore. I'm just not able to to move like I would need to. And and the last thing I want to do is be the, the reason someone's, um, you know, really bad day is even worse. So, uh, yeah, so we, we really got to pay attention to this, folks. We are in just a dire situation. And we know this. Like, the, the world's been burning around us, this park. Um, you know, it really hasn't stopped since since <laughs> last year. It's it's just a whole new reality. So, um, real quick, I wanted to say there really hasn't been many updates on the um, on what the school board uh, and what they're doing. They are having a meeting. That meeting is going to be Monday, and they've moved it from their usual location, which is in the um, county, uh, the district's 
district's office, which is in the county building, like right where DMV is and such. So it's actually going to be in the middle school commons. That's located at 1500 Manford Avenue. Um, and it's going to be Monday, April 25th. So this Monday at 6.15 p.m. Now it is via Zoom. And uh, you are we are able to attend the board meeting in person. Um, and uh, so if you want to, to attend the Zoom meeting, you need to reach out to the, um, the board secretary, Heather Gooch. And um, I'm going to I'll include the announcement about the um, about the meeting so that you can have these links right here in the article. Um, if you want to attend in person, now you have to reach out to uh, to Heather as well, and um, so that arrangements can be made. Um, now here's something that's a little different than normal. At least I think it is. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Um, but if you want to do, if you want to be part of the public participation at the beginning of each regular meeting, you gotta reach out to now the board president, Stacy Furry. And I was mispronouncing your name. I want to apologize. I didn't. I didn't know that. I was corrected by uh, one of my listeners. So um, I will endeavor to get that right from here on out. Um, and uh, it says you have to. It, there, you have to give at least two hours prior notice to the meeting uh, via the public participation procedure. And. That procedure is members of the public wishing to make formal presentations before the board should make arrangements in advance with the secretary of the board so that such presentations, when appropriate, may be scheduled on the agenda. In addition to public participation time during the board meetings, the board is committed to engaging members of the community on an ongoing basis regarding community values about education during times other than the board's regular meetings. Um, at At each regular meeting of the board, the agenda will provide time for the public comment. Due to change in format for regular board meetings during COVID-19, persons wishing to address the board will be required to submit an email to the board president at least two hours prior to the meeting online. So that's when that changed. Um, well, I mean, the world's kind of winding down from the COVID pandemic. So, uh, yeah, so comments and questions should pertain to a topic related to the board's conduct of the schools to include agenda items. Now, here's the here's the catch. They aren't going to put out the agenda until 24 hours beforehand. And we all know how the last time it went out. Now, here's what I'm going to say. So I, I did a call out to my listeners and, and community members and said, if you received an email as a parent, as a community member, about the board meeting because I hadn't gotten one, right? And and a lot of the people I talked to, as a matter of fact, everyone I talked to other than two people reached out. I had two people reach out saying, no, they did actually get it. Um, actually, I'm sorry, that's three. But the third was um, a staff member within the school district. Um, so two other parents within the community got it. That, that bothered, that, you know, took the time to reach out to me. Um, so, you know, it's not a very scientific poll, but, um, so we'll see. So look for that <clears throat> updated agenda. And again, it's going to be 24 hours, uh, before Monday at six. So we want to be watching the website and everything around six o'clock on Sunday. 
Um, so they they make sure that the uh, comments are limited to three minutes. Apparently, it's got to pertain to something on the uh, on the agenda. Um, and uh, with so, if there is a group continuing on this, if there is a group who all wish to speak to the board on the same topic, the group must appoint a spokesman person. Groups with 10 or more members may qualify for a speaking time of 10 minutes. The clerk of the board may ask for group membership verification. Speakers may offer such criticism of school operations and programs that concern them, but are encouraged to exercise their speech rights responsibly. The chairman slash president of the board, chairwoman, uh, may interrupt or terminate an individual statement when it has exceeded the allotted time, is personally directed, abusive, obscene, repetitive, or re- irrelevant. So they've got some some things in there that could be used to, to cut things short. Any complaint about the district, including instruction, discipline, district personnel policy, procedure, or curriculum, should be referred through the proper administrative channels before it is presented to the board for consideration and action. All complaints should be resolved through proper channels in the following order. Teacher or staff, principal or supervisor, director or administrator, superintendent, board of education. Well, I mean, I know there's some people that want to speak on this, and um, I hope that they don't use these 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 details to, to silence that. I hope people have an opportunity to speak. Written materials for the board or... or Board committee members must be submitted to the secretary to the board. The written materials must include the name, address, and telephone number of the person submitting it. Copy of the materials that meet these requirements will be forwarded to the board or board committee members if received by noon, the business day preceding the board or board committee meeting. Materials should not be sent directly to board or board committee members. Materials may be emailed to Heather Gooch, secretary of the board, the Essex Park School District R3. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna so I'm gonna do my best to get there. I need to reach out to the Citizens Police Academy and let them know I this is an important story. I've got to cover it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ditch class um, to to cover this. Maybe I can make it up. Um, so you know, I, I think my teenage daughter can get behind that. Anyway, so um, if you wanna if you want to speak out at the next board meeting, please be aware of this public participation procedure. Um, and uh, we'll go from there. Again, there there really haven't been many updates because I haven't gotten any core releases. I've just doing been doing research. Um, I really dug down into some of the um, campaign finance violations that happened. Now, this is these are things that have been um, um, reported on again, and really it, it is some smaller stuff. Really, the biggest two dings were with. Um, what's called a major um, contributor. Uh, basically, if you get anything, uh, any contribution over $1,000, you have to report it. And you need to report it within 24 hours to um, to tracker. And um, that did not happen. There was uh, there was a gentleman, I'm not going to, I'm not going to include his name because he, I think he honestly probably, and I don't know, I don't know this guy. He owns a a property here in Estes. He he owns another property in the the Denver area, um, but he donated to two of the new um, candidates, um, John and Eva, and donated three thousand dollars each. 
And, you know, I just don't feel it's right to, to I'm, I'm not going to put his name out because I don't know. He could just, you know, people have a right to donate to who they want to. And that's, that's okay. Whether, you know, wherever you fall on the political spectrum, the problem is that they, uh, they didn't disclose it. And John Davis, they found that he didn't disclose really anything until after the election, especially with this $3,000 donation. I mean, is it that big of a deal? I don't know. Maybe it was just clerical error, but you know, it doesn't set a good precedence. And I'm going to include, so John did some advertising in the, um, SS park news. And, um, you know, really the, the only problem I have with this is, you know, running on, on a, on a, a platform of appreciation, accountability and action and he's quoted in here as part of his ad, I, I believe in accountability among the administration, educators, students, and parents is a valuable aspect of success in life. We must teach each other to model personal responsibility, importance of hard work, but not him, I guess. I mean, he didn't, he didn't disclose any of this until after the election. And then, uh, yeah, kind of just, I don't know. Is it all that big of a deal? I don't know. I, I, here's what I'll say. I'm sick of politicians running on campaigns of, you know, honesty, openness, transparency, integrity, accountability, and then they get in and it just, you know, it's thrown to the wind. What it could be a just a regular mistake. I don't. I I don't know. I this is the first time I've really dug into to school board meetings, and. <laughs> I wish someone else would do it, but no one else is, so I'm going to do it. Um, so no, no, no movement on these um, Cora Colorado Open Records Act um, uh, requests that I put in, and what that is, it's a legal method for the public to get certain information from, you know, uh, public office, from from you know politicians, boards. Um, any, any sort of board of directors, uh, law enforcement. And, um, so you've got to go through a submission process and, and I'm going to talk a lot more about this on the weekend rant because I, I have a lot of things to say about it. Um, and so we'll see how the, this school district, how timely they are in these releases and, and what they're doing. Um, and again, I'm not sure if this is just kind of a, cause it could be one of two things with what's happened with the superintendent and in, in my thinking now this is just my opinion um you know we've seen um time and time again where there's kind of a, a takedown of a board of education and they immediately get rid of the um superintendent and then they hire on their own attorney not not the school district's attorney that's already there they hire an attorney specifically for the board and a lot of times that's used for um, a lawyer, attorney-client privilege. It helps create another level of kind of not having to tell what's going on, actually going on to the public. I'm also interested in seeing if any of the, uh, the, the new board members that were just recently elected did any training with the Independence Institute. Another one of these kind of red flags we see when it is kind of this <clears throat> this larger thing happening that we've seen in Douglas County and 
in Thompson and, and other places is um, they go through um, campaign training there. And there also seems to be like a lot of these boards, like they, they're hiring on uh, uh, an attorney named Randy Miller and uh, either, either him or some of his associates um, actually just, he stepped down from one of these school districts that he's doing this, this stuff with uh, just today, I think. Um, so yeah, we really don't know anything until we get the Colorado Opened Records Act request information back um, to see kind of what was happening during the election um, and and see if it was just, you know, if it's just, you know, uh, some conservative folks in town who want to, um, you know, shape the school district into more of what their their worldview is. I mean, that's one thing. That that that's what America is about. We're allowed to do that, um, but if if it's involving other entities, and those entities are known to kind of have their finger in charter schools and um, online school courses where they're making money off of the the kids when the parents take the kids out of the school district and plug them into these things, um, that's a that's another beast. And again, I don't know if that's what's happening. Time will tell. We just need to pay attention. We just need to to engage and watch. And you know, um, I'm guilty of it. I I just had started the podcast when the election was going on. I, I did the test bed with the the uh, town trustee candidates, interviewing with them. And uh, you know, I saw something I, I thought was suspicious happening in the school district, and and dug into that. Um, I really, you know, I would much rather do, you know, human interest stories, but no one else is really doing it. So I guess I've got to dig into it. So we'll keep our eye on that. I will be at the board meeting um, Monday and uh, we'll see what happens there. I have already signed up. I'm not going to speak. I don't think it's appropriate for me to speak there, Um, but I am there to see what other people have to say. And I I really encourage people, um, you know, Go sign up to speak if if that's something you want to do, if you want your voice to be heard. And um, come up to me afterwards. Let me know what you think. Tell me where you're standing on this. And um, yeah, let me know. All right. Well, let's jump into this uh, short interview I did. And uh, let's learn a little bit about the history of Esses Park's um, skate park and see... Um, where that might lead because we've got these, these energized students wanting to, to renew the skate park. And I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of momentum there. I think like so many parents like me, like I grew up skateboarding, I grew up skateboarding down in Fort Collins. And, um, I think it's a great thing for the kids. And I think there's a lot of parents like me that kind of grew up in that skate scene and really would love to, to engage in this and help these kids, uh, really pull it off. So, um, you know, and they're, they're working on becoming a nonprofit and getting all their ducks in a row to really do this right. And they're, they're talking with community members. Like I said, I've sat in on one of these meetings and, um, you know, we'll see where it goes, but there's a lot of community support. So thought it would be fun to just learn a little bit about this. I got to run up to Fort Collins after this podcast. I'm going to be covering the FOCO MX, which is really the biggest music festival in Northern Colorado. It's like, it's a huge lineup, 30 bands or something. 
and uh, goes all weekend, get a wristband, and there's there's uh, venues all over the downtown area, and uh, the wristband gets you in every one of those venues. So I'll be down there. I'm going to see if I can get some interviews with some bands. Um, I've heard rumor that the Velveteers will be playing a surprise show, so we'll see about that. I don't know. Maybe I can social engineer my way into getting a an interview with the Velveteers. They're an up-and-coming band. Um, Plasma Canvas will be playing. There's just my sister's band is going to be playing. There's just a ton of bands. So it's a great opportunity to see kind of what the musicians of Colorado and the area are doing. The newer ones, the ones that maybe don't get all the shows, but we got some really cool stuff going on. So, and, and, you know, we don't have new West Fest anymore. It's pretty much going to be the only big music festival like this in the Fort Collins, Northern Colorado area. Of course, we've got our festivals up here in Estes. Um, but as far as the Fort Collins area goes, it's, it's pretty much all there is this year. So uh, you might check it out. I'll be down there. So my name is Denali Lawson. Uh, I grew up in Estes Park. Um, you know, it's been a while since I've thought about this. So forgive me if years aren't correct. But back like mid 90s, mid late 90s. There was a pretty big community of skateboarders in Estes Park with no place to skate. And, you know, downtown sidewalks were all off limits. We were getting run out of every business we skated at. Ticketed for skating downtown. And a lot of our parents decided they didn't want to pay our tickets anymore, so we needed a place to skate. Um, so the first inception of the skate park was actually in that parking lot that's now kind of being used as like the greenhouse for and the yeah, the growing yeah, lab yeah uh for the high school um and it was basically a bunch of dads that got together my dad was working for the rec district at the time he was running the youth center um so he brought it up to the rec district and they decided to let them use that parking lot to build some ramps in so the first generation of skate park up here was a bunch of hand-built wooden ramps that basically like skaters and their dads got together we all did that and, in the 90s yep and pieced <laughs> together um and that eventually you know it gets worn down pretty quick as you can see with wooden skate ramps and we needed yeah. something better so when i was a junior senior in high school um we started, we basically had a self-governing youth board um, at the youth center already to kind of deal with like youth empowerment in town and, and youth functions, you know, like we planned a couple of different fests based around like bringing, you know, showcasing the youth of this town and the talents that they hold. And um, that kind of morphed into, we did a spinoff of that youth board specifically to look at and design a new skate park for Estes Park. Um, part of that was um, my dad writing a bunch of grants and eventually getting a grant through Greater Outdoors of Colorado, which is the lotto grant that um, basically they'll do anything outdoor oriented um, recreation wise. So hiking trails, bike trails, skate parks, stuff like that. They cover a lot of that in this state. Um, so he wrote the grant. We started doing trips around the state, um, basically like the rec district van trips to, to sporting events and stuff like that. We do skate park trips. So every Saturday for like all of the summer, we were going to a different front range town that had a fairly new skate park at that point. Um, so this is all like 2002, 2003 now. And um, the grant funding came through. Uh, we hooked up with 
a comp I want to say the company I can't remember the name of the company that built it. Um, but it was one of the bigger at that point there were only a couple of places in the country that were going out and building there weren't really any concrete parks unless it was like specially done. There weren't companies out there doing that. Um, these guys were, I, if I, they use the same products as the movable ramps for the skate, for the X games to build this one. So it was like all top of the line stuff when it went in. The problem was they just never kind of did any upkeep on it after, you know, it kind of, since it was on rec on town property that is managed by the rec district, their facilities managers were a little bit more worried about upkeep of bathrooms and buildings and part and you know playground equipment and stuff like that. The skate park just kind of fell to the wayside, and for a long time, skaters up here were getting together once or twice a year to do like a skate park cleanup, sort of a maintenance day. But um, without the help of those ramp companies, I mean, it's not just like fixing a wooden ramp in your backyard. These things had a little bit more to do, you know, a little bit more tech to them. And it wasn't quite as easy to to keep those things maintained as, you know, a standard carpenter could do. Um, I've helped. I helped. I can't remember the kid's name, but the kid that built the half pipe down there for his Eagle project like 10, 12 years ago <laughs> at this point that is now gone. Um, and that's kind of the thing. Every time something gets too dangerous, they just rip it out instead of replacing it or, or piecing it together. Um, the one thing, so the rec district does have like a master plan for Stanley Park and they have a bunch of different inceptions of this master plan. Almost all of them include a place or holding space for a skate park there. But I don't think it's gone further than that in probably more than 15 or 20 years. Um, so, I mean, the, the groundwork is laid. It just, it hasn't, it needs somebody to kind of jump on the ball and roll with it. All right. Well, that was our interview with Denali Lawson, one of the original um, visionaries that brought the uh, the skate park to Estes Park back in the 90s. And we'll see where it goes. Again, I've got an interview with the two kids. I'm still waiting to hear back from the parents um, as far as just having the okay with, you know, their kids being on the podcast. Um, so I'm going to reach out to them. Uh, we do have some breaking news that I want to hit real quick before we end up the um, the uh, the podcast. So as of I'm recording this now, it's two twenty eight p.m. and I just got this ten minutes ago while recording, and um, it's an urgent update from Estes Park School District's Health Services. So it reads as follows: Estes Park School District community, due to the continued spread of the stomach bug at the elementary school in collaboration with the Larimer County Department of Health. We have been advised to close down the elementary school Monday and Tuesday. April 25th and 26th, the Estes Park Elementary School will not have school. April 25th and 26th, Estes Park Middle School and Estes Park High School will still be in session, so it's only the elementary school. Any events at the Estes Park Elementary School, including the Beehive Party, is canceled. The custodial staff will be focusing on deep cleaning 
in the middle school and high school this weekend and we'll focus on deep cleaning the SS Park Elementary School Monday and Tuesday. Why this decision? The incubation period is 24 to 48 hours. Therefore, the recommendation from the county is given in order to break this spread to maintain that 48 hours. As a reminder, your child must be symptom-free for 48 hours prior to returning to school. You have had a sibling in the middle school or high school and your elementary school student is ill. Please, please keep all of your children home. Staff and teachers are asked not to enter the elementary school building on Monday or Tuesday unless they have to be cleared to do so or are part of the custodial team. So just thought I'd get that out there. It came across the, uh, the interwebs while I was um, recording. All right, folks. Well, I'm off. I'm, I'm going to head to Fort Collins. And um, some, some of the pieces I'm working on, uh, there's been a decision made in... So when I was at the Estes Park Trail Gazette, I uh, I covered a story about a discrimination lawsuit, racial discrimination uh, complaint, and then subsequent lawsuit, I believe, um, with Cousin Pat's uh, local bar and grill. And um, I had covered both the, uh, the, the young man who uh, lodged the complaint and, and lawsuit and his attorney also got Pat's side of things. Um, so we have a decision there. I have, uh, I'm going to actually, before I head down to Fort Collins, I'm going to run over there and get that interview. So, uh, that will be probably on Monday's podcast, Probably won't include it on the weekend rant. Maybe I'll see how the interview goes and, um, we'll go from there. But from what I'm hearing, the, the lawsuit has been dismissed. So, um, yeah, we'll talk with Pat and see what he has to say about it. Again, as always, I want to say thank you for listening to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm Jason Van Tatenhove. Um, next week, we'll start with our sponsors. First sponsor is the uh, the theaters, both the theaters, uh, the uh, Historic Park Theater and the Real Mountain Theater. So uh, I just want to say, give a shout out. Thanks to, to Jenna McGregor on that. And, um, you know, again, we probably will have two others by next week. If you're interested, they're filling up quick. So uh, get a hold of me, Jason, at Colorado Switchblade. And I'm going to let Jenna kind of introduce some of the programs that she's doing over this summer. Uh, because I, I love movies. It's one of my big escapes. So um, we'll go from there. All right, folks. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Please, please, let's not play with fire this weekend. No fire pits. Let's, let's just cut that out for a while. All right. Talk to you soon.